Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Oh my goodness, talk about romance. The sun is setting over Mr. Chubby's Wings, Ponavidra. Anavidra Beach for the next couple of hours. It is on. It's great to have you with us. My name is Rick Ballou, our final show at Mr. Chubby's for a little bit. So if you're in the hood, we would love to hear from you. Come on by, say hello. Of the extended happy hour will continue tonight until 9. That includes two-for-one domestics, all right, whether it's drafts or pitchers. That includes... Miller Lite, we have $3 wells, we have $3 wines, we have 40 television sets that surround Mr. Chubby's Wings, and I just checked that much-anticipated Tampa Bay Lightning-Boston Bruins hockey game is coming up tonight in less than one hour, so we'll have that on. We've got some PGA Tour, um, starting to get back into that with a little bit of um, this, a little bit of that. I kind of like it, kind of like the spice that... That's going on, whether you're Team Rory or whether you're Team Patty Reed. I, for one, I'm a Patrick Reed guy. I, I, I enjoy bad guys. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm wired differently, and I'll admit it. I, I, even when I was a young, little, in, impressionable, growing uh, human being, I, I liked the bad guys in wrestling. You know, everyone likes the, you know, the face. I was always a heel. I, I, I kind of liked the corrupt, um, cheap uh you know pulling a foreign object out of his bootstrap and and pearl harboring a guy from behind you know there are times i find myself uh, reading a ton of books where unfortunately in some of these fiction filled things that i read whether it's cj box or john sanford or um you know john patterson because i think i've read everything that is true crime that is mob the five boroughs in New York, where I came from in Boston, the outfit in Chicago, some other, uh, you know, what infiltrated through Kansas City and New Orleans, even in Tampa. Tampa had a little bit of it uh, at one point. I've read them all. So I need something else to appeal to me, so I go fiction. And I find myself rooting for the bad guy every once in a while. So sign me up, Team Patty Reed. Why not? He's doing a little something. He's creating a little bit of... Uh, of uh, of angst. I'm not in support of that blood money, okay? But I think we've had those conversations. That time is over. Uh, now we have two tours. It'll be very interesting to see what happens here coming up during the Players' Championship. We already know that former winners who have a green jacket, they will be playing this year in the Masters. Uh, those who don't know a lot make comments that sound a little bit like this. Well, the PGA Tour, you shouldn't allow them to play in any one of the four majors. The PGA Tour does not have say on the four majors. Different governing bodies for the PGA Championship, the British Open, 
the um, what uh, British Open, the United States Open, as well as, of course, coming up here in April, it'll be the Masters. So, you know, it, it, what's there not to like about Patty Reed? He's fat. A lot of us can identify with that, right? He cheats. I mean, a lot of us can identify with that, right? You, how many of you, you know, you, you, you pick up clean place, roll it up in the fairway, or, you know, maybe hedge it up just a tiny bit when you put your ball marker down on the green and then you put your ball back? I, I, I get it. And if you're not playing for a lot of money, I really don't have a – uh, a big issue with it. Probably not a fan of the fact that he stole from his teammates at Georgia. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that, that probably would get me sideways. But everything else, I, I find myself kind of liking Pat Reed. All right, enough of that. Forget golf. Let's get to football. Busy day. Dave Campo in 20 minutes. Really looking forward to the conversation with Dave. And I'm going to get there in just a couple of moments because – Again, every day that we do this, it, it, it's going to be such an enjoyable off-season around here because everything's changed, and the expectations have certainly changed. But all of a sudden, you look at the foundation of this organization, and there are a lot of key pieces that are there. As far as I'm concerned, my two biggest issues on the defensive side of the football are, number one, what is the scheme going to be? And is that a scheme that they know that they can run, or does it all depend upon who is still on this roster? I think really the only major contributor that they could lose is Arden Key. Now, Duan Smoot deserves recognition, but he's coming off a major injury. I, I just don't know what the open market is going to be. I also don't know... If because of that and where Jacksonville is uh, with the salary cap, if they can afford to give him what he's asking. that uh, To me, that's kind of something you're going to have to, unfortunately for him, put on the back burner. I don't think he's anywhere near one of their top priorities. Obviously, their priorities on offense are Juwan Taylor and, and Evan Ingram. We get that. But I'm talking defense, and we're going to do this with Dave Campbell. So number one for me is – What's the scheme? What type of scheme do you, you know, let's just say that Doug Peterson and Mike Caldwell had 12, you know, 12 Pro Bowlers. And I say 12 because obviously this football team is playing nickel a a great deal of the time. So, you know, a linebacker is going to come out or something along those lines, depending on how they do things. It could be an interior defensive I mean you follow me De- depending on how the the offense is is uh, in fact running their scheme if you could do things the way any way that you want what would your perfect defense be because this was a different defense than what Todd Bowles ran in Tampa and obviously uh, you know Mike Caldwell has, has learned from Todd in in a few different steps along the NFL including recently in Tampa Bay Uh, The second thing for me, and this is perhaps even more important than the first issue, that is about this rookie class getting that much better in season two. And there's no reason, I believe, to think that that cannot happen. Will it happen for all three? 
in Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, and Chad Muma? Well, history tells us probably not. Okay, I mean, first round, second round draft picks as a whole in this league miss. I mean, I don't need to tell you that as a Jaguar fan. You can look through the history beginning from 1995 on and, and look at all the first and second round picks who have hit and then look at all the first and second round picks that flat out did not hit. And that's not only here. That's all 32 teams in the NFL. You know, I mentioned this last night, but it's something I'm going to mention again right now, and I can probably guess that I'm going to say it about 100 times uh, until this team actually is back at it, uh, let's say, in late July, early August of 2023. Tyson Campbell, to me, is the greatest example of incredible improvement from one year to another. And... I think a lot of fans, and in, in, in some cases, um, you know, every year that, that this team lost, this would be the time of year that I was getting the, that's it, I'm done, I've had it, they're keeping Trent Bulky. I've had it, they're keeping Gus Bradley, I've had it, they drafted this guy, I've had it, and I always kind of laugh along with that because I know what fans are all about. You you can't get rid of that, okay? I mean, you'll change partners. You'll go from wife to girlfriend to wife, and you'll go from job to job to job, and you'll go with cronies, and all of a sudden they'll piss you off, and you'll find new friends. And, and, and your kids, you'll meet people when you go to events on Saturday and Sunday, and they're playing soccer or lacrosse or whatever it is, and you, you get with the, the dads there, and you go to the dances, and you sneak out back, and you, you, you take a, a, a big poke out of a flask, and then you go back. I know what it's all about. I've been there. Things change. You know what doesn't change? Your love for your team. And you go through those ups and downs. And whenever someone says to me, that's it, I've had it, I'm done, I'm like, whatever. You're a holic, man. You're an addict. You're coming back. This year, that totally changes because the expectations are going to be through the roof. And all of a sudden, i got to imagine season ticket sales are going crazy. There's talk of, you know, renovating the stadium. The Miller Electric practice facility is going to be completely ready uh, by June of this year. So you got all these great things there in front of you, but you end up wondering, you know, where is this team come Sunday? Where are they overall 1 through 53? Where do you improve? How much better do you end up getting? Um, Anyway, kind of got sidetracked on it because of that point I just made. But what I'm trying to state is getting better on a week-to-week basis. Tyson Campbell was buried here, man. If I could look back, if I could pull up this text line, I don't know what the archive scenario is here at 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. If I could dig back the first eight games of 2021, or if I could find my Twitter uh, timeline from the first eight games of 2021... Even diehard Georgia fans, and you'll never get them to admit this now, especially after winning consecutive national titles. But Georgia fans are like, he wasn't even that good at Georgia. He can't locate the ball. He's pretty physical. He'll meet you at the line of scrimmage. As a matter of fact, he's got decent coverage skills. But you put the ball in the air, the man's lost. And you know what? They were right. I've never seen a defensive back 
um, get after a ball thrown in the air as poorly as Tyson Campbell. It was frightening. That man improved. That man worked day in and day out. And look at the season he had. So it gets me back to my point this year. And what's different this year from a year ago is we always had changes in Jacksonville. It's a new GM. It's an interim GM. It's a new coach. It's a new offensive coordinator. It's a new defensive coordinator. All right, the Todd Wash years were considerable, but hopefully you understand where I'm going with this. Everything seems to be intact. Chris Jackson's gone. We'll see what happens with Jim Bob Cooter. Keaton McCardell interviewed for that job today in Tampa as the offensive coordinator. The major nucleus of this staff is intact. And that's something that Doug Peterson has talked about all year long. You really get the impression this is a loyal guy, a loyal coach. Look at all the firings. Uh, Dallas fired six position coaches. Look at the position uh, coaches that were fired down the road in Tampa Bay. That, that's the way that this league is. There's always a fall guy. I can't believe Mike McCarthy's still a coach. To me, he's gutless. Doesn't try to win games. He tries to manage them. I'm surprised that, that Brandon Staley is still the coach in L.A. After his meltdown a year ago against the Raiders, then he blows a 27-0 lead here against Jack. I mean, how can you go play for that guy? Who's going to run through a brick wall to play for a coach who, who does it that way for 60 minutes on Sunday? So my point is, how much better does Trayvon Walker get? in 2023 how much better does Devin Lloyd get in 2023 now with a full season how much better does Chad Muma get in 2023 I happen to think Chad Muma is the middle linebacker to be in 2024 each and every down depending on the Khan situation because again the way that Trent Bulky has put together these contracts you can get out of them after two years. For those of you who say that Trent Bulky does not put together the salary cap uh, correctly or he doesn't know how to handle it, you're wrong. Okay? Bulky deserves criticism in some areas. And, and right now, he's on top. All right? He's basically been on fire with his draft picks particularly the 2021 draft. It's too early to grade the three defensive guys uh, that I just talked about this year. It, it is. It's just too early. Free agency, for the most part, outside of Shaq, they've worked. Shaq, Shaq was awful. He was hurt, got paid way too much money. But outside of that, they haven't been perfect, not all of them, but they have, they've helped. They've made this franchise better. So the consistency at coaching, that to me becomes even more important than adding that cover corner in the draft, going out, and can they create enough money to, you know, overpay and get a Darren Payne at the age of 25 years of age to come in here and anchor the interior defensive line. You know, I love all that talk, and I'm all for that type of talk. But to me, still, the two biggest issues are what's the scheme and how much better will Walker, Lloyd, and Muma become in year two? And again, if you can get what Tyson Campbell gave you, 
second half of year one and all of year two, if you can get that type of performance, I think Jaguar fans are going to be very excited about what is, in fact, in store. Can't think of a better guy to bounce all that off than Dave Campo. He's going to join me here on the other side and honestly pick his brain on, on a lot of different things here on the defensive side for Jacksonville. I, I just heard Frank and them bow out. You know, you need more of a pass rush. You need another corner. This football team only had 35 sacks. They invest a first-rounder every year. I mean, chase on. Allen, uh, Walker, uh, are you trying to tell me even though this year's draft pick is, is much lower down the the draft board at number 25, are you trying to tell me you're going back to the well again on, an, uh, on a rush guy? Right now you look at the needs, that's what people are going to tell you. They need a rush guy or they need a, an interior offensive lineman or you know they, they need a compliment on the other side uh, to – Tyson Campbell. I happen to think Darius Williams is going to be okay, but if you can get a young corner and put him at nickel for a year, it doesn't work with Williams at at, uh, at nickel. We know that. It, it did not work a year ago. He's a better football player on the outside. So anyway, this is all good. Okay, this, we're not talking about trying to get over three wins and fixing everything. No, there's not a lot to fix. You hear more about this in college than you do in pro. It's about developing players, right? When McElwain gets fired and when Taggart gets fired and when Jimbo quits and when Dan Mullen basically quits and Manny D, and you go through all these coaches, what's one of the first things that fans say? How do they develop these players? How much better do they become during their sophomore, junior season? I know a lot of that today is is kind of... It just feels different because of the transfer portal. Uh, but you don't always hear that in the NFL. You do to some extent. But for the most part, I think when you draft guys, you, you project where they're going to be and where they're going to get. You understand? To me, there's a difference. You may disagree. If so, hit me on it. Six four one ten ten on the text line. You may totally disagree with that opinion. That's fine. I'm just telling you the way I think uh, about this. Uh, but for me, that is so big this year about developing these guys and making them better football players. But in my opinion, you ask them to do too much, rush the passer, dropping coverage, do that. I, I would like to put them in one position, a set position, and let's leave it at that. So we're going to talk to Dave Campo about it. He will join us here next. All right, opening comments brought to you by Schmunez Vision. Uh, I've been seeing Dr. Neo Schmunez uh, since I got back into town in 2006 and you know they're located right down here at the beach uh it, it, it's pretty amazing how we absolutely do overlook night after night after night uh our contacts all right and you get tired after a long day and you pass out i can't tell you enough that sleeping in your contacts is about the worst thing that you can possibly do yet people still go out there and do it I look at Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship trained in cornea, cataract surgery, our fractal surgery. Man, that's more than 30 years combined in laser eye surgery. Notice it today on the golf course. Okay, played with a couple of good buddies today, and, and one of them, not the best eyesight ever, even with a range finder, way off when trying to gauge, you know, we're 130 yards away. Uh-uh, we're 150 yards away. We're 100, just that happens. That, that's part of where we 
we are at this particular time uh, with everything when it comes to trusting our eyes. Imagine getting laser eye surgery. That is part of what they do right now at Schmunez Vision. So just give them a call, 299-2906. Go to schmunezvision.com. That is care you can see. And I'm going to be coming with you very soon, hopefully by the first week of February, with some tips that handle everything with your eyes, including eye care. Right now, though, why don't we go with this? Come to Schmunez Vision, where they stamp out blindness and always tell the truth. That is the good folks at Schmunez Vision. All right, come on, Bob. we got a good crowd on here already. Tabletops, you know, we've got old-school booths. We've got 40 TVs. We've got a great Cheers-like bar. This is where you want to be on a Thursday night. Mr. Chubby's Wings, Ponte Vedra Beach. Coming up next, let's talk with the coach. Dave Campbell goes into the night. He joins Rick Ballou. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Uh, It's great to have you with us. Good crowd on him. Mr. Chubby's Wings, Ponte Vedra Beach. We're here till 8. The extended happy hour till 9. That includes two-for-one domestics, two-for-one draft domestics and pitcher domestics that obviously does include miller light three dollar wells three dollar wines and again that'll continue tonight until nine o'clock all right let's bring in our friend dave campo he of course would tend to xl 92.5 fm been talking with dave throughout the course of the year about the jaguars incredible season particularly in the second half and it's great to bring back dave campo dave thanks for a couple of minutes no problem. I missed uh, you in the press box this week. We should have gone to Kansas City. We might have straight <laughs> that whole thing out. Yeah, that, that would have been something. And, uh, and, and once again, you know, a real good effort uh, for the Jaguars. But, you know, I, I guess the one thing that really sticks out to me, Dave, is after Patrick Mahomes got hurt, man, their pass rush really dropped off considerably I, I you know I read the stats on it and I think it was 16 percent yeah they were 7 to 13 before the injury as far as pressures that's 54 percent after the injury three of 19 did did something change for Kansas City other than the offensive line said we got to protect our best player well first of all I think that, that the offensive line did kick it up a notch you know and I think that's natural when you know when they when a when a group gets challenged, and you know that's something that uh, you know you can't measure. You know you just know that those guys up front, uh, you know they take a lot of pride in what they do. And you know when they had a couple guys banged up, and then uh, I'm sure that Andy Reid came to them and said, "Hey, look, we got a we caught a quarterback that's a little banged up. You need to you need to crank it back up." But it did seem to me that they did not bring the linebackers quite as much in a second, you know, once he got hurt, which kind of surprised me because in the first half, they went after him pretty good. He still made play. You know, that's that's the problem. I I text Packer when uh, early in that first couple drives, and I said, man, that quarterback is a beast because he made some throws that were unbelievable. But I don't know. You know, I rewatched the game. I didn't see quite as much pressure, you know, extra pressure. And uh, I think it's kind of a combination. 
Yeah, it's it, it's really interesting to me, and this off season is going to be incredible. First things first, it, it, take us through being a a former head coach, and right now, it appears on the defensive side, everything is going to stay as is. There there could be a change; another coach could get promoted from another team. But right now, it looks like they're all going to be back. Um, how important is that continuity in today's? professional football to have the same staff back and then talking about possibly making some sort of changes on that side well first of all you know being the first year i think it's really important because unless somebody was just not doing their job or you know the head coach didn't feel like there was a good uh chemistry or whatever with the players uh there's no question that they're going to make strides between this first year and next year and, and the, you know, part of the reason for that is they're going to get some new players as well. But a lot of it is, you know, you've got, had a new coordinator. He comes in and, and, you know, I've done it. You know, I was the year 1995 when we won the Super Bowl, you know, was my first year coordinating there. And I didn't do anything that we had done up until that point. And I think that's a natural reaction. And I think some of that is great, except you've got to have the people. And, mm-hmm. you know, the people, the people that uh, uh, Mike Caldwell, for example, had it in uh, Tampa were not the same people that they had here. So the mesh of the coaching staff and everybody being on the same page and everybody knowing what each other needs to do to get the job done, I think is important. And, I, and I'm hopeful that there's not a lot of change on this coaching staff. All right, we saw some in-game changes. We saw some pre-game changes against, you know, particularly heavy run teams like Tennessee and Baltimore uh, when they came in. When you just look at this defense as a whole, how much of that, depending on what you want to do, simply is on improvement in year two of Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, and Chad Moon? I think a lot of it. I think experience uh, is, is really important, especially with young players. I think it's a combination of, of coaching and players because I think uh, Mike Caldwell, I thought the defense got better towards the end of the year than they were early in the year. And I think some of that was because they simplified some things. Well, you know, that's one thing. You simplify some things, but then you get with a, with a guy like Mahomes and simplification is fine. you got guys flying around. They know what they're supposed to do. But then all of a sudden you've got a guy that's executing you've got to be able to pull the trigger on some other things. So in my mind, for example, uh, they need a pass rusher inside. Whoever that is, they need a, a, a defensive lineman that can rush the passer. They need uh, one more cover corner. And that changes the whole dynamic of things. Uh, and it does, you know, what the guys do on the field is extremely important. Dave Campbell, our guest, uh, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, you hear him all the time here on the home of the Jags, 10-10 on the AM, 92.5 on the FM. All right, Darren Payne's a guy who's been mentioned. He's going to be a high-price-tagged uh, high interior defensive lineman. When you look at this, and, and you know, I love what Trent Bulky said earlier in the week, that, that cash is more important than the cap, but does that all of a sudden become more important than – re-signing the tight end in Evan Ingram, re-signing a right tackle in Jawan Taylor, maybe take your chance in the draft or possibly, you know, maybe that's Walker Little's 
right side. I understand you're a defensive guy, so you're always going to be pushing for the defense, but how do you look at it in that way? There's not a lot of needs on this team, but there's a few obvious ones that are there. Well, first of all, you've got to look at who you have and, and what they'll be doing, you know, when they come back. I don't know if they're there now. It just depends on, you know, the head coach and, and how much time he, he gives them off before they get going again. But one of the things that they're definitely going to be doing is studying each position and, and the impact they had on the ball club and, and whether or not there's somebody out there in free agency that could help them. Uh, I think the priority should be that if you have guys that you feel pretty confident about in certain areas, you try to keep them. And, and to be honest with you, I think uh, it's not always in the total best interest in, in the players because in the long run, if they don't have much of a cap hit, you can get rid of them easier. But if they're willing to take money up front, and that's what they're talking about, restructuring. And mm-hmm. I, think what, I, I think what they're going to do is they're going to try to restructure a number of players to get under that cap without having to get rid of guys. And, you know, I, uh, to me, uh, I think that the offense, if it's not broke, you don't try to fix it. And I think with the addition of Ridley, uh, with the guys they've got here right now, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna be very conscious of improving that defense probably more than the offense. All right, it's, it's, it's a little bit of an unfair question, but I, I want to ask anyway. Right now, Arden Key could be gone. Dewan Smoot could be gone. Trey Herndon could be gone. We know Shaq Griffin is going to be gone. If you had your say, and again, we understand that you still would need to add a couple of very key components to this, what do you see with the guys who are returning? What type of defense would you try to install this year? Well, uh, you know, I think you look at individuals and you say, okay, uh, you know, Devin Lloyd, what, what does he do best? And that's kind of what I'm talking about when you're, you're grading the players at each position. Uh, same with uh, Tra- Trayvon Walker. You know, is he better with his hand down? Uh, does it help this football team? Uh, maybe not 10 years from now, but in the next two or three years where you feel comfortable that your guys are at a point where they might be able to contend every year. Uh, when you look at Trayvon Walker, for example, I think he's a much better player right now as, with his hand on the ground, which means he could be a defensive end in a 4-3. He could bulk up. He could stay in the 3-4 and, and just be a, a 3 technique at times or a 5 technique at times. Those are things that decisions that you're making. It looks to me like the two outside linebackers that they have, Allen and Walker, they are not guys that can drop very well. Allen can actually drop better than Walker. Well, if that's the case, you're better off finding a place for those guys where they can put their hands on the ground to rush the passer. Because unless you're a a real nifty-type athlete, it's hard to to go from a stand-up position especially without a lot of work on it. And that's what Walker has to get if he's going to stay in that position. So to me, when you talk 3-4-4-3, it's kind of interchangeable because they use 3-4 looks, they use 4-3 looks this year. You know, it's just, uh, you know, what fits your guys the best? And, And I think there's some positions. Devin Lloyd, you know, in that first part of the ballgame Saturday, 
he rushed the passer. They brought him off the edge a couple times, and they actually brought him inside a couple times. You know, that's his strength. I'm going to try to utilize that by maybe putting him on the end of the line of scrimmage stuff. You know, it's almost like, uh, and this, this probably won't go too far, but it's almost like asking a power hitter to bunt, in, in, in my opinion, when you ask Trayvon Walker uh, to drop. Um, I get asked this all the time, so I'll, and I, I know I've asked you before, but I'm going to do it again. What, what about just keeping Walker and Allen, you know, on the edge in, in a 4-3, and Muma becomes your middle linebacker, and you have a low con, you know, either on the strong side or the weak side. Maybe it's Lloyd on the weak side. What about more getting your best players on the field? They didn't do that early. Then Muma started getting snaps. I know he took some away from Lloyd. Could you see, could Jacksonville Jaguar fans see more of that style of defense next year? Well, you know, if it was me looking at it, I'm a 4-3 guy. So, you know, I, we played some 3-4. You know, we did some of that kind of stuff, but I'm a 4-3 guy. And I could very easily see Muma as the middle linebacker. No question about it. He's physical. He can run. He can go sideline to sideline. And when you take uh, – I could see Allen uh, on the weak side of, of a 4-3, and I could see uh, – Trayvon Walker on the strong side of a 4-3. And they have small linebackers that can run. So there is a there is a case before for going to a 4-3. But again, you know, that that's them. You know, I mean, I, I I'm only looking at it from afar. And I'm not looking at all 22 all the time because I don't have an app that shows the whole field. So some of the stuff they're doing, I'm guessing on. And to me, They've got personnel that could fit the 4-3. It's just whether or not they feel comfortable don't making that move. Mm-hmm. All right, last question for you. How, how much of this now is Doug Peterson meeting with his staff, talking about what they want to do and what they want to run, but then reality sets in, who are they able to bring back, who are they able to acquire in free agency, and who are they able to draft coming up in April? Well, that's definitely on the, on the agenda. You know, they're, they're, like I said, they're, they're going to grade their players by position. Each one's going to, each position coach is going to talk with them. The, the general manager is going to be in there. The scouting director is going to be in there. The, the uh, head coach is going to be in there. Uh, and the coordinator is going to be in there. And they're going to talk about each individual position, what the strengths and weaknesses are. Could they be utilized in a different position? Uh, and that will help them as far as, you know, where do we see ourselves? That will help them in the draft, and that will help them in free agency. And the key to the whole thing is that if, in free agency, if you can't find somebody that's better than the guy you've got, then you've got to put the guy you've got into the best position for him. And no. so it's, it's kind of a combination. It's, you know, if they make a decision they're going to go to a 4-3, then all of a sudden they start looking for guys that fit that particular team. If they're going to stay with the 3-4, then they're going to look for guys that way. And, and it just depends on what's out there in free agency. I can, show, I can tell you this. We were a 4-3 team. We had three linebackers back in the day in Dallas that could run to the sideline. We lost our middle linebacker in uh, uh, Norton. We lost our middle linebacker in uh, Jones, Robert Jones. 
And we ended up having to take a, a, a big, strong middle linebacker in free agency. When that happened, we had to go to a 3-4 principle to make sure we had one guy covered up, the small linebacker, and then the front side linebacker was a guy that was lined up on the guard, and he could take on the guard. And, and so you have to fit what you're going to do with the personnel. That's a long yep. answer. But that's what they ha- have to be doing this offseason for sure. It, it's a long answer, but it's, it's the right answer. It, it's, it's personnel. I mean, you could scheme to death, but you, if you don't have your players, you're, you're going to have to make changes. And, 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 Dave, you know this. I mean, they improved. They, they shaved 6.3 points a game off their, off their uh, scoring defense this year. They were 12th in the NFL. That's remarkable improvement. They went from nine takeaways to 27. Uh, that's remarkable. But then there were little things like not being able to cover a back out of the backfield. A simple screen created this defense fits at times this year. That, that's what kind of has me unraveled here a little bit. Well, there's no question that they improved. They, I, you know, I mean, I think we all see that. And, uh, you know, some of it was the simplicity factor of guys knowing exactly what they're supposed to do and and executing. Uh, some of it was a, a, a better feeling for who uh, Caldwell had on the ball club and what they could do and try to fit that to it. So I have confidence that that group, I think they've got pretty good coaches over there. I, I really think that they will look at those kind of things. And I could see a, a, a vast improvement not only with a with maybe a few a couple of different players, but just the whole idea that they're going to have a he's going to be a, a more veteran defensive coordinator by a year, and he's going to know his personnel a lot better. Dave Campbell, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and again you hear him on our stations all the time, ten ten on the AM, ninety two point five on the FM. Dave, really enjoyed talking you uh, talking with you throughout the course of the year, and I. I know we'll be doing it here during the offseason. Thank you so much. You got it. And, uh, you know, I've talked to some of the guys over there about sometime in the offseason maybe sitting down and just talking defense. So <laughs> you guys can kind of kind of get an idea of, of you know, exactly what uh, some of the coaches are looking at. I'd be glad to do that sometime. Man, I love it. Absolutely. More than happy to sit down and do that and uh, – yeah, it's going to be a totally different offseason because the expectations have changed. And, you know, I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun around here uh, up until they start playing football again. That's what it's all about. And uh, thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate Dave. it. All right, thank you. There he goes, Dave Campo. Really appreciate uh, his time and, and certainly his knowledge um, is, is incredible on, uh, on defense. Be- being able to adjust to the players that you have, I – to me, what you, truly, you know, one of the really great ones was that I can think of around here fairly recently is Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, I understand he was a position coach at Bama under Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, but I remember when he got to Florida State. I think he wanted to run that Florida State defense the same way that Kirby Smart was running that Alabama defense, and and you had different personnel. Now that entire defense, by the way at Florida State, went to the NFL. So it wasn't a lack of talent, but still, some guys do things differently. And I thought Jeremy Pruitt, the way he changed his defense, including in-game, was phenomenal. And then, of course, he went to Georgia, 
And I thought he did the same thing with very talented players, but but different players. Obviously, Todd Bowles had such an influence on Mike Caldwell. This pro bowlers, if not Hall of Famers, on that Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense that went to a Super Bowl and then lost in a Super Bowl or knocked out of a NFC championship game. That's different. This is a young defense. There's no pro bowlers on this Jaguars defense. I mean, not even close. Who would you say is close? Aloha Khan, consecutive years leading the league in tackles. Maybe Tyson Campbell, the way he played. But there's not pro bowlers. So that's huge, is working with what you got. But to me, that is going to be a lot of fun to uh, really monitor during what is now the offseason. Others will say, "Uh uh-uh, Baloo, there's no such thing as an offseason in the National Football League. There's always something happening, like Frank Reich being announced today as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. So let's come back. Let's stay with it. Hey, right now is an unbelievable opportunity for you to get on in. 641-1010 on the text line. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. You can also get me on Twitter. That is Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010XL. Into the Night with Rick Baloo on 1010XL, 92.5 FM. That's ah, crazy Joe. After he left the James gang, right, on his own before joining the Eagles. The Eagles are rolling in. I don't know if I could see the Eagles without Glenn Fry. Who's the country bumpkin who's now singing? I know they had Fry's son. I I like this old school country guy who's now grabbing the mic. I don't know if I can do that. Vince Gill. Vince Gill, I just... He's so country, right? Um, hey, people die, man. We lose rock and roll stars. Glenn Fry's been gone for, what, three years now? Four years? He went right around the same time as David Bowie, if I remember correctly. The incomparable J.J. LaSalva. How are things back on Hogan Road? Same as always, chilling. I, I, these nights are weird. I'm by myself and just kind of hanging out, sitting in a room by yourself. I like being by myself. I, I, being able to entertain yourself as only yourself is a great trait. Absolutely. Especially if you're looking at doing time in the can for like a really long time or something. Now <laughs> well, you, like, you can you have a bunk. Be bored. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be talking. I mean, you don't have alone time in the, in the big house. <laughs> Unless you're, you know, you committed some heinous act. Um, I, got a re- hold on. I got a really good friend who said this to me. It was probably <laughs> a year ago. Okay. And it was one of the greatest comments I've ever heard. He's got a bunch of young children. Works his ass off. He's actually a, a major sponsor of ours here at the radio station. He says, Blue, he goes, the only time I'm alone is when I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, that is so true for so many people that especially have a, a whole ton of kids. What do you have? What's going on? Not a lot, man. They- I interrupted you. So what, what were you going to say? I know it was important. Uh, oh, I was going to say that you can't be bored anymore. Like, it, with all the screens we have, like, if I'm – if I have my TV on and we go to a commercial, I'm watching a game or something, they go to a commercial, I just pull my phone out. And so the commercial breaks over, then put it back down. Like, we're constantly surrounded by screens. No one has an excuse for being bored. Kids don't know what it's like to be bored anymore. Listen, when I was a kid, we had to get up off the couch, walk to the TV set, 
fixed the antenna, yeah. and we had three channels to choose from. Okay, then I walked to school uphill in the snow. Then after school, I walked back home uphill to my house. That's the truth. Grant Marsh, what's your hobby? What do you do? What do you on, on your alone time? What do you go to? <laughs> on my, uh, I'm a big video games guy, but like I play like like NCAA and like 2K and stuff like that. I'm not a, I'm not like a like yeah, you know, shooting games. So like I'm not really into that, but I love playing NCAA and Madden and that kind of thing. I never got that. And I don't want to ever get that because I can see it being incredibly time-consuming. And in terms oh, it of, is, yeah. I have enough hobbies. I really do. I, you know, there are things that I enjoy doing uh, by myself. And, you know, I mean, baseball cards was huge for me. I'm not yeah. really I – go, I go through phases. Football trading cards were big when I was right. in elementary school. I was going through my safety deposit box. I, I looked at the market, and I was like, damn, man, it's time for me to go fish out some old cards, see if I could sell them so I can afford to put food on the table. Um, but I didn't. Um, the, the, the market has come back up a little bit uh, late in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, being able to entertain yourself, I, that, that, um, I know people who, like, their only hobby is golf. And if it's raining out or they, they don't know how to – to satisfy themselves by finding things to do when they're on their own. I, 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 I can't believe that that's the case. There's so much to choose from today compared to when we were growing up. It's, it's, and read it's a book, people. Pick up a damn book. Yeah. JJ's For a big God reader, sakes. I can attest. He's a big read guy. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I finished the Mick Fleetwood book. I'm now on the Rod Stewart book. And this is amazing, man. I forget the word they use out there in London, but he was literally for a while. Oh, I forget the term. The guy didn't shower. Um, <laughs> didn't put on deodorant. Okay, this was like the in thing underground in London. Very punk. It really, really was. And he talks about the early days and the struggles with Jeff Beck. And then, you know, Ronnie Wood was actually playing bass for him at the Jeff Beck group and, and and Jeff Beck was so volatile and you know Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page could not get along with the Yardbirds so you know he left or he was fired depending on what you want to believe but Rod Stewart man what an unbelievable start uh, to his life so that's kind of what I've been on lately reading those type of books. Rod Stewart strikes me as a very clean in person so it's interesting he is but at that point in his life he uh he went farther than grunge. Uh, again, he, he didn't clean himself at all. All right, need to take a break. Top of the hour. Second hour, no more music talk. No more alone time talk. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I do. I care about people. I, I, I hate it when people tell me they're bored. I'm like, how can you be bored today? I mean, you got a phone. You can do virtually anything you want on your phone. You should also be a hell of a lot smarter Again, we had to pack up and walk to the library. You know how many times I went to the library at Florida State? At least two or three times in my five years. <laughs> now, I used Once to go, a year. No, I used to go all the time. I mean, you didn't have those resources. You, today, you, have, you can look up every word. You can look up anything that's bothering you or anything that you need to know. It's all right there in front of you. Uh, anyway. Let's, uh, let's head to hour number two. We got much more to do in our second hour. That'll include thoughts from you. You just heard Dave Campo say an awful lot about this defense. What do you believe? What do you think? 
Talk to me about the Jags defense. Best way to do it is on the text line. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. That number is 641-1010. Grilling stuff. Three double Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, we're getting ready to drop the puck in Tampa. Tampa Bay, Boston. I hope some foghorns go off, and I hope they come from the right side. Uh, the right side, of course, being the Boston Bruins. We're live from Mr. Chubby's Wings, Ponte Vedra Beach. Come on by. Two-for-one drafts, two-for-one pitchers, domestics. That includes Miller Lite, $3 Wells, $3 Wines. We're here till 8, the happy hour sticks around till nine. You know, I was making a point earlier about fandom. Love fans. I mean, you know, there's no sports without fans. There's no sports media uh, without fans. Um, That's what it's all about. And and that is why, uh, in fact, they are there. Or, in fact, why uh, you folks are are here. But it's really intriguing to me. I was talking about, you know, every year how, I'm not coming back. That's it. I've had it. And I, I laugh at that because I've heard it forever. Fans are always going to return. All right? You may not go live to the game, but you're, if you're a fan, you're a fan. And that's the way you're wired. Well, I got a good one here from 7836. It says, you were talking about people being fans of a team win or lose. My point is some people are fans of good football or a style of football. I was a kid, I was a fan of the Vikings because of Fran Tarkington, then a fan of the Raiders because of their defense and Marcus Allen, then a fan of the Steelers because of Bettis and Palomalu, Heinz Ward. Now he's a Jags fan. He gives me a couple of different stories about some good people on teams and also uh, a very successful team in 2017, but wasn't a huge fan because a lot of those guys uh, were not mm, good human beings, I guess. It's the best way to define it. That is so odd to me. So I asked him. He's been in the military for 30 years. He's been all over the place. Okay, he's been all over the country. He's been in two islands. That I can see a little bit. See, we're all branded differently. We're all wired differently. For me, it's so basic. Okay, the only change I've ever made is the Jaguars. You know, I mean, I am so. It, for me, it is so simple. I'm a Bruins fan more than anything, and then a Red Sox fan. I'm, I went to the Patriots all the time growing up with my dad during some very bad years, okay? And I'm a Celtics fan. College? I was never – there's no such thing as college athletics in Boston. They don't care. BC plays in a high school stadium. I was in high school when Flutie won the, the Heisman. They don't care. I had no idea what college football was like until I went to Florida State. So for me, it's simple. It was four teams, and it was the Knolls. You know, when I came here in 96, I was like, okay, if I'm going to come over and cover this team, I'm not going to be the ultimate contrarian. But for those of you who listened to me back on the bad show in the mid-'90s, it was blatantly obvious that I was a Patriots fan. There was no question about the fact that I was a Patriots fan. And maybe some people who listened back then thought I gave them better coverage then. Maybe I was a little bit more honest. Maybe I was a little bit more objective because I wasn't a fan of the team. I don't think that has been the case. But I found myself 
over the years, when I elected to come back here, I said, if I'm going to come back to a one-horse town, I want to see this football team do well. So this is the only time I change. But, J.J., let me tell you something. I spent seven years in Chicago, all right? And my ex-wife, who I met at Florida State, was originally from Chicago. When we got the offer, it was a no-brainer. And people ask me all the time, oh, you must be a Cubs fan now. You must be. I'm like, I'm not a Cubs fan. I enjoy going to Wrigley Field. I enjoy seeing the people to the left of me, the right of me, or the people I work with who are Cubs fans have a good time. I'm not that guy who wants to see You know, We've got a couple of those guys in our building, and I won't mention any names, that they, they love it when your team loses just because they're kind of miserable and they like it when other people are are dealing with a difficult time. I, I'm not that way. I have never been. All right, the Florida State-Florida thing, maybe. Oh, oh, at, scratch that. Definitely. But outside of that, it, I, I don't like to see people suffer, people hurt. It's ama- it, you know. So anyway, it's amazing to me how folks can go from one team to another. In this case, this gentleman did it because of the style of play by these teams that's very very rare for me how about you Uh, no I I don't I would love to follow a team that just played great football unfortunately I follow the Miami Hurricanes Um, but I think it's even weirder that he stopped liking the team because in 2017 there was guys that were like hateable Mm -hmm. to me I mean I hear the girls on helmets and heels say stuff like that all the time I just can't relate to that whatsoever uh, like on a personal level, couldn't care less about the guys that wear my the uniform for the team I cheer for. You know, like honestly, I that stuff. What kind of guys they are off the field, unless they're like murdering people, I don't care at all. Yeah, you know, if all of a sudden you know I just win, just you know, win. Yeah, I just I I can't I can't see that ever. And you know, there are still people today that are like, come on, but admit it. You're a Patriots fan. And they're like, you know, you do a good job covering up in the radio, but you know as well as I do. <laughs> covering you, it up. You're, you're a Patriots fan. Closeted and I'm like, Pats fan. And, and, and I'm like, well, listen, you know, I grew up loving the New England Patriots. You go to my sports bar, you're going to see a John Hanna poster. You're going to see a Sam the Bam Cunningham poster. You're going to see an old Steve Grogan uh, poster. I mean, I, I'm an old school Patriots fan. And, and I honestly did not know until that 2017 season, 2018, playing in the AFC Championship game, when I was a sideline reporter. And there are, are times in your life where your brain's working one way, your stomach and your heart's working another way, and you never really know until you know. And you're just and like, was, oh, I'm not a Pats fan anymore. At that exact <laughs> yeah. moment. At that exact moment in that game, it was clear. In, in, in a game that could have gone either way, my allegiance was officially with Jacksonville. Okay? And, you know, I listen, I, I, the Brady history and all of that, that, going into that game, there was a little part of me that was kind of like, well, you know, it'd be great. And I, I assumed that they would beat Doug Peterson and Nick Foles and, and the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm like, so there's going to be another Super Bowl. But I didn't, I didn't realize it until I was there. So I actually did make, you know, that switch. And it's, it, it wasn't because of the players. It wasn't because of the coach. It, it was because of the people that I associate myself with. 
I want to see these fans. There's nothing that will make me happier to see these fans celebrate a world championship. I'm not one of those guys that's going to get all excited to see who, you know, whoever the star quarterback, if it is, hopefully it is Trevor Lawrence. All right, no matter who it is or who the that that's so far down the list to me. Instead, it's my next-door neighbor who's been a Jaguars fan since 95 or, or people that I play golf with or whatever. You understand? that Those are the people that, that I want to see enjoy this. You know what I never understood in this industry is, like, the, the guys who try so hard to be, like, non-biased. I don't have a team. They, you know, I would never tell you who I cheer for. It's... You know, I'm too professional for that. In Europe and England specifically, like, they don't – they know every reporter and every journalist and guy on TV who they cheer for. Like, I need – I want to know that. I need to know your affiliation right up front so I can get the bias out of the way. I know your bias. You know, it's right in front of you. Everyone knows it. Here it's weird. Like, you know, you don't know who – I guess people think Joe Buck cheers for certain teams, but, you know – Guys like that, you don't really know. They try to keep it so close to the vest. It's not that big a deal, guys. Hmm. Yeah, I think they're a dying breed. And I work with one in Jay Mariotti, who to this day, whenever I get with him or talk with him, he, he remains a hardcore journalist. Uh, you do have people in cities who will go the other way. They'll be the ultimate contrarian. There are people that probably have their personal feelings hurt um, by teams or by yeah. fans reacting to them negatively. Or certain players. That's the new right. thing. Well, they'll take it – they'll now – like Dan Shaughnessy, for instance, who I've been reading since I've been old enough to read at the Boston Globe. I, I swear to God, he would rather have the Red Sox lose a World Series <laughs> than win a World Series. He believes that he can write a better column – with them losing and, and point out some obvious mistakes and upset all of his readers, you have contrarians in markets. There's not a contrarian here in Jacksonville. No. Not even close. I mean, can you, can you think of one? And, you know, I'm not saying this as disrespectful. I don't think there's anyone who covers this team who wants to see them lose. No one at 1010XL, that's for damn sure. Well, who else? I don't even know who else exists. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't read the paper, that's for sure. Um, and then the other media members are like bloggers and like a couple local TV people. Like the media, there's not a huge media contention in this town as is. No, not at all. And that's where, you know, things have, uh, things have changed. If, if you dug up Dick Schaap and you dug up Howard Cosell and, and, and guys like that, they, they would not believe the way that things are. They would not believe it. But, uh, you know, I think that that's, that's kind of evolved. I think fans, believe it or not, would rather hear from someone that they believe has that team's best interest as opposed to a guy that is going to fish really hard for only the negative. You don't think Dick Schaap would enjoy first take or uh, Skip Bayless's show? You don't think Dick, uh, Dick Schaap would be sitting sideline uh, of the Lakers game like Shannon Sharp screaming at the opposing team? I read a few J- Dick's, Dick Schaap books, and I, I, I just wasn't a huge fan of, of, of uh, the sports writing then because it was, it was way too 
Dry. I've never been a fan. The day I got out of the womb, I wasn't a fan. I don't care. If, <laughs> I you hate know what sports. I mean? Yeah, but his his uh, his <laughs> book uh, his book forty four on Jimmy Breslin on Son of Sam with fictitious names, but the exact same scenario. Okay, is one of the great uh, great. Uh, I, I get. I guess you can't call it true crime because it's not about David Berkowitz. It's more. It's got. A, I guess a little bit of gonzo journalism to it because it's the exact same scenario, exact same place, exactly how it happened. But again, the names and everything changed. Pretty interesting stuff there. All right, when we come back, let's get some more from you on this. More on the Jaguars' defense. As well, 641-1010, best way to get us on the text line that is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I may tear up if you drop an Al Stewart on me. I think he's coming right down the road here, the Ponte Vedra Concert Hall. Not a deep cut, Al Stewart guy. The year of the cat, I love. Here's a guy just teeing off on us. 0193 says, Reed, all you're doing is looking at paper with letters on it that someone (laughs) else wrote. Yes. Sitting there reading something that's boring as drops an F-bomb. Here's the advice. Go out. Live. Write your own S-bomb. F-bomb a book. How can someone actually sit there and just read? Then tell us what we should just sit there and read. Again, F-bomb, that's boring, A-bomb, S-bomb. Is that Joe Coward on the text line? (laughs) (laughs) A man who once told me he hasn't read a book in over 10 years. Um, We just read yours, your text, so... I guess reading does suck. I agree, sir. After that, I, I'm rethinking everything. He's, he's, you know, he's part of today's culture that <laughs> wants to read, honestly, everything in 140, you know, uh, 140 characters or, or, or less. He that, says that, we could be doing something productive, which <laughs> I don't think he understands that, like, when you're reading, you're obtaining knowledge, you're learning, you're just becoming a better person overall. I'm not reading, like, children's books. Yeah. Also, you know, let me be perfectly clear about this. It's it's not like, hmm, what should I do today? Go play golf or sit home and read. Yeah, it's I'm not, not in that. the house all day long, bro. Okay. I'm actually I, here all day long. I, I read late at night, and I'm always multitasking. I always got something on TV, and I'm listening to my girlfriend, and I'm reading. That's when I read. It's It's late at night, and I absolutely love it. I adore it. I can't imagine life... Uh, without it but um anyway thank you for listening uh 35 25 blue bucky said something along the line of it's more about cash and cap what does that mean tell exactly what that means um there's ways to navigate the salary cap there's ways to restructure contracts where you can front load it with massive amounts of bonuses signing bonuses therefore you don't have to pay much contractually on that particular season. Now, it's going to hit you on the back end. And you hope that the guy can produce for more than a year or two because 
typically when you give that amount of money, that whole dead cap situation would really become problematic in years two and three. I mean, look at this year's team. They had more than $30 million in dead cap money. Uh, the, the salary cap is complex. But if you, you know, if you look at a guy like Josh Allen, who's scheduled to make this year in his fifth year with that first team-only team option, $10.3 million, let's say you want to pay him four years. And, and I have no idea what they're going to pay him. Let's say it's a four-year, honestly, $80 million deal. I'm just throwing out numbers. And... $50 million is guaranteed. But you take $30 million of that and give it to him as a signing bonus. Because Shad Khan has liquid. Not all these owners have this money. Everything's tied up in investments and, and ca- you know, all that type of stuff that I have no idea about. What we do know is that Shad Khan has plenty of cash. So let's say you give him $30 million. You can structure that instead of with a $30 million signing bonus, the way you break it out over years this particular year, instead of paying him $10.3 million, you may be able to get away with paying him as little as $1 million in his annual salary. So you have, you recoup, what, $9.3 million that you can use to bring back Juwan Taylor, to bring back Arden Key, to bring back Evan Ingram, and, you know, you can restructure plenty of other contracts. I mean, I'll be surprised if they'll just allow Rayshon Jenkins or Roy Robertson Harris to return in the third year of their deal. My, my guess is it's one of two things. You either say goodbye to them or you restructure their deals and add a year. So that's, um, that's the best way to describe it. And it was a, it was a phenomenal answer. It's, it's, the best that, it's the best answer that Bulky has given since he's been here. Because what it means is that he has sat down with Shad Khan. And for the record, I know this from an impeccable source. And this included during the Urban Meyer. When, when Gus was here and when Doug Marone was here, there was almost a feeling of they were just happy to be there. Have you ever been kind of like the way I am at 1010XL? It's why I never crossed the line because I'm just happy to be here. You know what I mean? There are others who will take chances. There are others that will ask, okay, because they feel they have that type of, of clout. When you look at Gus Bradley and Doug Murrow, they didn't ask for much. They didn't ask for hardly anything because they were just lucky to be here. Well, when Urban came in, I wasn't part of that flirtation. He asked for you name it. This man asked for every, including the standalone building. He asked for everything. Shad Khan has never said no to a football-related decision. Shad Khan has, mil- has billions of dollars. So Trent Polky obviously has had conversations with Shad Khan many times over about, okay, can we go out and do this? Can we go out and do that? Can we give some signing bonuses, restructure some contracts so we can get some more players? Shad Khan has been absolutely yes to every single football decision that's encouraging to know 2009 says uh that last guy you just read about (laughs) just talked about probably likes picture books okay not bad uh baloo are you a jeffrey dahmer fan too i think that's in reference to you enjoying patrick reed oh 
No, I'm not a big fan of Dahmer. All right, he ate people. Um, Jordan Reed, an unlikable guy, but not really on that level just yet. Yeah, he drugged him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not one of those guys who roots on serial killers. I'm, I'm intrigued by him. I really am. But Dahmer was a very – Dahmer – you know what Dahmer is? Dahmer's the most honest serial killer that we've ever had. They caught him. He told everyone what he did. He didn't lie. He was actually remorseful for it. I mean, a lot of these guys do it because they want to become infamous. You know, they want to be on that select list as – being such a bad guy and who you think of, and they'll do whatever it takes to grab more attention. And, and that documentary they made on him like a year ago, the mistake with that is they actually tried to make Jeffrey Dahmer feel somewhat likable, which is just beyond me. <laughs> it's very Netflix, though. Have you been following the Iowa, or not Iowa, Idaho killer at yes, all? Absolutely. Um, from you, uh, just seeing him on TV, do you have any thoughts? Well, first of all, we both have something in common and no, there are no bodies buried behind the (laughs) building at Hogan Road. Okay. (laughs) But we are both criminology grads. Yes. This guy, this guy felt as though he learned how to, that's my guess is that from the best, he got outsmart. Yeah. It's impossible it's impossible these days. It is. Between surveillance and forensics, it's not going to. Did you see the video yesterday of the transgender who was all drugged up and walked into a convenience store with an axe? Oh, my God. And took an God. axe to a couple of people? Yes, I, yes, I Did saw Did you see this. that? It was crazy. The guy was like, nice. We, I didn't hear the volume. Yeah, but the security footage has a guy just hanging out there, like just chilling, being really nice, and like, and then all of a sudden the guy takes an axe to him, right to his face. Absolutely, died. No, I think they. um, Oh wow! They took him to the hospital and everything, but it 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 didn't seem. It seemed like he was okay. And I'll give you a hockey term. They brought him in for repairs. (laughs) (laughs) He was. uh, We were just talking. Graham and I were just talking about Patty Bergeron during the break. I I watched a game last night. Patty Bergeron took a deflected slap shot from David Pasternak, right to the bottom of the nose, split mm. his nose in half, lost the half tooth, guy went inside for repairs, missed one shift. I was about to say, uh, how long did he actually miss? He in, missed one shift. In baseball, you'd be out for a couple weeks. In the NBA, you might not play the rest of the season. Um, you know, the NBA. creepiest part about this Idaho guy was they said when he came back into Pennsylvania or you know wherever he was going to college at or lived at, uh, all his friends were like, oh, yeah, he seemed, like, way cheery and, like, uh, you know, like he was the nicest he's ever been. He was the happiest yeah. I've ever seen him. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, these people are sick. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's an awful story. It really is. Zero one zero seven Blue Jags are almost like a child uh, for true fans. Love them at the moment of conception. Celebrate their success. Accept their failures and strive for their growth to continue <laughs> towards something to make you proud all of these years. And they finally seem to have something that will make you proud for years instead of being just a flash in the pan. Here's to growing up. That yeah, was beautiful. Been, it was. That was very touching. And, and uh, I bet that guy reads. He actually, <laughs> yeah, he actually completed a paragraph without dropping an F-bomb. Um you know, it's, it hasn't been anywhere near perfect around here. 
But there have been some enjoyable moments. I mean, you've made it to three AFC championship games. For me, the the greatest offseason that I remember was after the AFC championship game loss in 2018. Okay, even better than than 96. Now, you know, going into the 97 season. I did leave after that 99 championship game against Tennessee, so I, I was in Chicago uh, for the, the 2000 football season. But remember September of 2018? I thought even as great as it was here the last six weeks, I thought September of 2018 was arguably the greatest month that this city has ever had. They beat Brady. Three and one. Would they lose a 6-3 game? To, was it to Tennessee or to the New York Jets? I'll have to look up the 2018 I schedule again. I believe they again. beat the Jets here, right? Might have been a, it might have been like a 6-3 loss to Tennessee. It was, it was an ugly mm-hmm. loss. Yeah, 6-9. to nine. It was, to me, it was the greatest. It, because this year was like, as great as it was, this year was kind of like, oh, my God, what just happened? I mean, you're down 27-10, so for like three quarters of the game, you're like, this sucks. This is what and then all of a sudden you explode late in the fourth quarter. This year's fourth quarters, nothing will come close to that. But that, that month of 2018 was the greatest it's ever been. Then I think they lost seven, seven in a row. But that's the way that I envision it being this year. I really believe that that's where this team is going to go. Now, it's going to be a more difficult schedule, taking on a first-place schedule, and as we know, everything changes in this league, but that's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more on reading here, much more on reading. Uh, I don't know if I want to spend any more time uh, doing that. Here's a guy who's telling me, remember when cable boxes first came out with Cinemax, I was 13 years old trying to distort uh, from the late night skin oh, Skinamax. Well, Nothing better than Skinamax as a uh, 16, 17 year old. They're not even around anymore, are they? None of that. I'm stuff. not sure. I don't know why it would be because it like it's it's very tame and there's a lot more uh, uh, things that you can get online for free. Let's just say that. Well, I, I think the actual term for it was soft. Yes. Right. Soft it was core. adults, but yes. it was soft. <laughs> and, but it used to be on all – I've had direct TV since 95, and it used to be – It would like start at like 10 o'clock the at 500s. night. Oh, yeah. And like, and I'd be like watching this. a movie with my mom in the room, and then you, you flip one channel and you see that, and you're like, geez, can we at least wait till midnight for this? It would be like uh, it would be like the same actresses, too, and it would be like in a different role. Like this one's her most challenging role <laughs> to date. She starts out, she's like gardening in the backyard, and – it's the same actress. She was like, wasn't quite a B actress, but she wasn't officially an adult actress. She she was somewhere in between an adult and B actress, and they were the same actors and actresses in every single one of those. Because I tell you what, I watched every one of those back in the day. <laughs> every they were actually one. pretty. Yeah, they were actually pretty entertaining. Yeah, that's another thing the internet's ruined. Mm. It's a shame those people are out of business. All right, final break of the night. Come on back. Actually, our friend Rafael Spars is going on MSNBC, uh, so he's doing Whoa. a TV hit. So he's upstaged us. And uh, I told Rafael that I'm 
incredibly disappointed. Nothing is bigger than us here. Uh, live from Mr. Chubby's. He said, hey, my boss told me I had to do this. It's going to give us a ton of recognition. And I said, you go, and you have a good time. So we'll pick it up with Rafael Esparza next week. In the meantime, let's grab some more feedback from you. 641-1010. That is the best way to guess. Oh, they're dropping the, the gloves here now. We have got an old-school fight, Tampa and Boston. Perry for Tampa, I want to say that is Flamingo. Oh, and he caught him with a right hand. That was um, – Felino for the Bruins. So how about that? You don't see fights, especially good ones, that much anymore in the National Hockey League. We just had a nice little brawl here. one nothing Tampa. Got about four minutes to go. I can't believe we got upstaged by Rachel Maddow. Is that is he's is he on? Do you have it up? Is that who's on with? But she's usually on around this time. Maybe I'm wrong about that. It's been a while since uh, I watched MSNBC. I'm going to be real with you. Yeah, Oberman's not on there. Yeah, oh, no, not. Keith's not on there anymore. No. It's I'll, a shame. I'll, hey, MSNBC, I'll take your word on that, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean, JJ? Let's take a quick break. Get me out of here. Three, two, one. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Tomorrow back in the studio, 6 to 8 on Friday. So look forward to that. Tomorrow, uh, you hear about the petition that's going on right now within the AFC South by Colts fans? They're sending it off to Jim Ursay about not retaining Jeff Saturday, which I understand. He shouldn't even be in the conversation for a head coach. Um, And I think we'd all agree upon that. Frank Reich announced today in Carolina. Uh, Frank Reich, of course, uh, formerly worked with Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. I I didn't see him becoming a head coach again. I thought he would be an offensive coordinator somewhere. I was kind of secretly hoping if Jim Bob Cooter got the offensive coordinator position in Tampa, where also Keenan McCardell is interviewed. McCardell, as we know, interviewed in New England, but that offensive coordinator position went to uh, O'Brien, Coach O'Brien, um, Bill O'Brien. I was hoping that, ah, you know, Frank Reich, would he, would he come here and be just the passing game coordinator? No, he's the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, and, and he's going to have to find a quarterback. A lot of pushback now on Steve Wilkes, who doesn't get the job. Steve Wilkes was fired after one year in Arizona as the head coach in 2018 when they went 3-13. and Plenty of support by players, plenty of support by fans. He went 6-6 six and six in Carolina this year, and apparently his lawyer is on the cusp of adding uh, to what is already an ongoing uh, suit against Arizona. And he went on to say that he is shocked and disappointed and that this continues to be a legitimate issue in the NFL, a race problem in the NFL. So that is the latest there out of Carolina when it comes to Steve Wilkes. I I thought that we were getting past this. I know it was an issue a few years ago. Um... But right now, it just it, what is the the number? Uh, do you know off the top of your head, JJ, with when minority uh, head coaches? I mean, Robert no Sala. No idea. 
Yeah, Robert Sala. Uh, I try to stay as far away from that crap as possible. Yeah, I thought, you know, I did. I thought that we were past it. it, it hey, listen, I remember when we were talk, talking about African-American quarterbacks and that whole issue. I, I've been doing this for 30 years. We're certainly way past that. This is something that that still comes up in – uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. If I don't cover the a, if team. If you own a football happens. team, here's my take. If you own a football team, you can hire whoever the hell you want to hire. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. No, no doubt about it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, Frank Reich, a little bit surprised that he actually is the guy uh, right now. Uh, that one did get me. A little. All right. Uh, you know, I'm reading this, and I can't. No, I can't do it. I can't do it at the end of the show. I wanted to do it, uh, but I, but I can't at the end of the show. Oh, okay. Um, we are being told that Skinamax is still alive and well, God which I bless. don't know. I flip all the time late on those channels, on the 500s, and it, it, you know, I just don't, I just don't see them anymore. Also, from our writer, the zero one nine three, the guy who told us that we should never read. He just sent this. The funny part is I'm a writer. <laughs> Poetry and book even been published, <laughs> but I hate reading. Okay. Wow. I, I need to call you out on this then, the 0193. I, I want some of your readings. And, and, and here's where I'm at when it comes to that. I read out of my phone or I read off of my computer all day when it's sports-related stories. That's... You know, from the moment I get up, people say, oh, how long do you prepare for your show? You never start preparing for a show. It's a 24-hour cycle. You, you always should be aware of what's going on. And I don't care if I'm on a golf cart in between shots. I'm always going to be checking. You're always staying with the very latest. But when it comes to actually reading for enjoyment, reading a book, I like a hardcover book. And I like to move the pages. And when I do it, I sit alone and or with my girlfriend, lay alone or with my girlfriend. And I read. And when I do, even when I read to myself, my lips still move. Wow. I enjoy it. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about that part. But I, but I love the hardcover book. So 0193, get us... Uh, we need your poetry. I, I yes. need your poetry. I want, because as a matter of fact, I'll have you on to have you read poetry. <laughs> yes, please. I'd love to be a poet. After reading the aggressive language from his first text, I find it hard to believe that he is a poetry writer. Your eyes are like a 285-yard drive straight down the middle of the fairway. I, being a poet, you know, as I said, I mean, I would love to be able to write a song. Imagine that. You know, Susan Tedeschi, such a great songwriter. I love talking to her and, and, and Derek. Even though Derek doesn't sing, he's deeply involved in, 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 in music, obviously, w what they're going to play, as well as um, lyrically speaking. I just can't imagine being a writer. I mean, for me, it's been easy to talk. Okay, talking's no problem. But I can't imagine. And I've tried writing before. I mean, we had gridironnow.com. I used to write for War Chant. Years ago, Doc, I mean, this, I've done a lot of different writing over the year, and it's always harder for me to write than it is to talk. But I can't, and that's just stories, stories on typically Florida State or 
the Jaguars. I can't imagine what it would be like to write a song or to be a poet or to actually write a book. And, you know, we, we, we ne- knock on wood, you very rarely get in a situation where there's not anything to talk about. Now, there may be some topics or some scenarios where it's more intriguing than others. I get that. Okay? I mean, that's, that's what you want to do. You want it to be there where it intrigues the listener that they want to turn around and come back and listen to you the next night. If, it, it, if you suck and you're not saying anything that is appealing to them, they're going to go away. But can you imagine writer's block? Is it, it, seriously, is there anything worse than writer's block when you're sitting there staring at the computer and you need to put something down? I mean, you, you got I can only think of one thing on worse as a writer, and that would be uh, being bedridden while Kathy Bates takes care of you. <laughs> very, very, very good. Very, very good. Tomorrow night, we'll talk about plagiarism. Let's talk about that. And uh, I want to read you, 0193. JJ does too. Please. Give us your info. Now, please send it to me tomorrow night because now that the show is over, I don't check the text line anymore. You can get me on Twitter at Blue1010XL. All right, this is it for Mr. Chubby for a little bit. We'll be back here in March, but we'll be off for the next few weeks. Thank you to them as always. Thank you to Dave Campo. Thank you to Graham March. Thank you to JJ. Hackers up next. Rick Ballou and you tomorrow, 6 to 8 on a Friday.